Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode of the Positive Impact Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh, delicious, healthy, and fresh meals delivered straight to your door. Enjoy cooking again with scrumptious and easy to prepare meals three nights a week. Visit positiveimpactpodcast.com slash fresh for $40 off your first box. Today I'm joined by the fabulous Stephanie Burns, founder and CEO of Chic CEO. This inspiring organization bridges the entrepreneurial gap for women, giving them the tools, resources, and community to start a business. Chic CEO made quite a splash in the business world. Only six months after launching, they took the title of one of the top 10 entrepreneurial resources for women out there. Stephanie Burns, you are the driver and the passion behind this incredible organization. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's quite an intro. (laughs) I'm glad you're quite a person. I'm super excited to have you today. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. So let's start off diving into why there's even a need for an organization like Chic CEO. Sure. So I started Chic CEO because um, I was in grad school and I was getting my MBA and this was around 2008 and that's when the recession hit and everyone was starting to get laid off. So a lot of my girlfriends were coming to me asking me how to get a business started and um, you know they were they were losing their jobs, they were trying to start little things on the side so they could pay their bills. And I said, uh, I, I don't know, why are you asking me this? And they said, well, you're getting your MBA, aren't you? Aren't you learning how to start a business? And I said, no, I'm learning how to run a business. I'm, I couldn't tell you how to go down to the courthouse and file the paperwork and what kind of legal entity you should be and you know all these, all these questions that you have at the beginning. So this kept coming up over and over and over again. And so I finally got all, all of my girlfriends who kept asking into my living room and I gave them a bunch of wine and, and cheese and started asking them a bunch of questions. You know, where are you getting your advice from? Um, how are you saving for your taxes? What have you done already? And a lot of them were just, they were saying that they were getting their answers from either Google or their dad. And, um, you know, I kind of started looking around the room and there were 15 girlfriends in there, 15 girlfriends, just, just my friends that were asking these questions and couldn't find, find answers. And these are smart, talented, driven women that should be able to find a simple answer. So I thought, man, if I, if I just have 15 of my friends asking these questions, there has to be a market here. So I started doing some research and uh, decided that the business plan for Chic CEO would be my final thesis project for my MBA. And that's how it got started. And then in the end of 2009, I got laid off just like all of my friends did. And um, I had graduated by then and I pulled my business plan off the shelf and I got to work. And by December of 2010, we launched. And by June of 2011, we were, we were named in Forbes by, as one of the top 10 entrepreneurial websites for women. So I just have this image of you and all these women just really struggling to identify how to start the business, what to do, and just sitting in your living room, of course, wine and cheese, you got to have that for anything. That's right. And I love how you took this passion of really wanting to help and identifying friends that needed help and just all the questions that you're getting asked and took it into a business. Recently, we interviewed Leslie from 
Tech or from Geek Girls, and she did the same thing. She just took questions that she was always being asked because she was in tech. Of course, she knows all the answers to every tech question. And so she just took all these people asking her questions and turned it into a business. Mm -hmm. So I really admire that about both of you, that you were able to take just people coming up and asking you questions and turn it into a business. And I think that's probably one of the best ways to do that is to, you know, to start your business is to really kind of look around and find out what are people asking you? What are people coming to you for? It's, it's just the easiest way to get started. So when you were building these resources, who did you turn to to bring that to bring Chic CEO to life? Well, luckily for me, I was in business school. That is so. helpful. <laughs> Even if they're not teaching you how to run or how to start a business, they're only teaching you how to run it. Right. Um, that was that was immensely helpful. Chic CEO is the culmination of of a lot of what I learned in business school. Um, and you know, research. It took me a full year to research, write. Um, create and launch Chic CEO. So it took a really, uh, took a really long time for me to, to dig in and, and um, write it all. Chic CEOs made quite an impact. You guys have worked with 90,000 women from all over the U.S. What kind of trends are you seeing? What are the most common questions? What are the biggest struggles for women launching their own business? Um, I think some of the biggest struggles are women aren't quite sure where to start. Um, and as women, we tend to be a little more risk averse because when we think about starting a business, we realize that when we start a business, it's not just us starting a business. It's usually our inner circle that's starting a business too, um, meaning our family or the people that are closest to us. So when we start an endeavor like this, we know that we're taking along the people that we care about. You know, we're responsible for our children or our spouse or, um, you know, maybe our parents. So when we think about jumping into something as scary as entrepreneurship, we know that those people are going to take the ride with us. So we tend to be a little more risk averse and we're not quite sure our next move knowing that, you know, there's risk involved and the, the people that we love could potentially be taken with us. So um, for women, we really need to have all the answers to all of our questions before we get started. And you can probably relate to this in almost anything that we do. And we plan a wedding or we, we decide we're going to have a baby or we're going to buy a car. You know, we want all the questions and all the answers up front. So that's kind of what I was hoping to bring with Chic CEOs. Every single thing that you could possibly want and know is there on Chic CEO. It's there and it's free so that we can get started. Um, but, you know, there's lots of different ways to get started in your business. But having having your questions answered, I think, is the first place that that uh, women like to start. And that can also be a big strength in our, basically, as we oh, move for forward. Sure. For sure. It just takes us a little longer sometimes. That's all. But that way, I mean, we have, we've gone through all the questions. It's been vetted. We're pretty sure about it. And then when we launch, it just, there's a couple more ducks in a row. Right, right. So I've got some really fascinating stats by Conscious Company. They recently posted an article about women in business kind of by the numbers. So I'm going to say a couple of these stats, and then I'd love to kind of see if you're finding this to be very true in the workplace uh, and thoughts you might have about them. Mm -hmm. So the first one states 12%, and that's the percentage of women in board-level positions in corporate America. 16% is the percentage of women in board-level positions at S&P 500 companies. 
On average, women make 78% on the dollar compared with other men, and 60% is a percentage of undergraduate and graduate degrees earned by women. So are these surprising to you? Are these kind of the first time you're hearing them? Or is this what you're actually finding as you work with all these different women throughout the U.S.? Oh, these aren't these aren't surprising. Um, these numbers are are pretty widely known around our our circle. Um, you know what what they are finding though is that morale is better, the bottom lines are better, profit is better when there are women on boards and in the C suite. Unfortunately, it's taking a lot longer, <clears throat> I think, than we had anticipated to fill those roles. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of companies are seeing that there's a lot of value in bringing women on board and women um, to the board <laughs> uh, in terms of, of how it affects the company, how it affects the bottom line, and um, overall how it affects company culture. So even though those numbers seem kind of low right now, I, I am very confident that we're working towards um, equal equal representation by both genders because it's very important that we have equal representation by both genders. We don't I don't advocate that women should be taking over everything. I think that we need we need equality. Um, you know, we need men just as much as men need us, and the people that work for us need both genders in play too. So we all bring something special to the table. It just is time for us to have equal re representation. There's also a lot of potential for innovation and just new approaches when you bring basically half the population back to the table. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the other thing too that, and I, I love to talk about is one of my favorite things that I'm seeing is company culture. You know, um, if you think about it, women haven't been in the workforce all that long, you know, coming from World War II when women had to go in and and really pick up the slack when all the, the men went off to war, you know, when they came back, we weren't, we certainly weren't going back to the kitchen, you know, and so <laughs> we were, we're now out in the workforce and, and we, it hasn't been that long. So we're finding and fighting cultures that aren't necessarily built for us. You know, biologically, we're the ones that have the babies. We have no choice over that. Men cannot handle that role for us. So we have to find ways in our company culture to allow for that, you know. And I think what's happening is women are starting to create their own cultures. We're creating businesses that create more flexibility and more um, thought behind what that looks like when we when we decide to have families too. So the culture is changing. And I think a lot of that has to do with women coming in, creating their own companies, therefore creating their own cultures that actually fit them. So it's an exciting time for us. What's also really exciting kind of could be on the horizon is as all these women start these businesses that maybe are a side business today, or they're just starting to launch, those have the potential to be these S&P 500 companies down the road. I mean, they've got great potential. And if they build in these different practices and different company cultures that account for this and really play to the strengths of bringing women into the workforce, down the road, we could have an entirely different... Entirely different culture. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so exciting to see. And there's so many cultures or company cultures now that are um, 
you know, trying to to break the mold and trying to really uh, work on that as well. Um, you know, a, a while back, I was very um, close with someone who ran a healthcare company. And he was a father and he was getting divorced and he had three toddlers. And so as now being kind of a newly single dad, he's seeing in his healthcare company, how am I going to take care of these little girls on my own and run this, you know, $6 billion company. So, you know, he implemented a daycare on site and, um, you know, flex hours and all these things that he was finally seeing that the mothers needed as, as he became a single dad. So that was so inspiring to see him make changes in his own company culture. Um, you know, it took him going through the actual experience that women have been going through, um, since the beginning of this, <laughs> but it's, it's really inspiring to see men jump on board too and, and know that we need lactation rooms and, you know, on-site daycare is, is great. And, you know, the things that enable us to really focus on our careers without leaving our family behind and vice versa. So, yeah, I, I think there's big changes coming, coming down the road. Um, and I think a lot of that does have to do with women starting their own businesses, therefore creating their own cultures. One thing that I really want to emphasize is this isn't necessarily just more benefits for women. One of the incredible things that's come out recently is this idea of paternity leave, Mm -hmm. that a dad should be able to have the ability to go home and spend time with his brand new baby and create bonding and just be there for those initial first moments. So it's not just women that are seeing these advancements and a lot of these benefits. No, it's not. It's definitely not. And again, it's it's really about – it's really about culture. You know, it seems like it might be about women right now, but it's really about our families. Um, again, we cannot pass the task of giving childbirth and growing a child in our bellies to men. So we do need a consideration for that. But men definitely need to have the same kind of um, consideration when it comes to their families because it's just as important to them as it is to us. And they need time to be home too. Um, Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote an article a few years ago, you may have heard, um, when she says why women can't have it all. It caused a huge uproar um, in the Atlantic. And I saw her speak many months after that at South by Southwest. And, you know, she talked a lot about how important it is for for men to be at home with the with the child too. She really flipped this paradigm on its head and and said that, you know, it's not really about mothers and fathers. It's about breadwinners and caretakers. And it doesn't matter what gender you are on either side of that. You One, one or the other. It doesn't matter if you're a male caretaker and you're a female breadwinner um, or vice versa. So it really is about how do we fit family into business without, you know, alienating your career or having it end because you went on maternity leave, you know, those kinds of things. It's ridiculous. So Again, I think it's an exciting time because our cultures are shifting um, with the advent of, of women really coming on really coming on board. You talked about shifting paradigms, and one of the paradigms that we're slowly, it's glacier slow, starting to see is this ability for dads to stay at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's such stereotypes there, but, you know, sometimes maybe a dad is better to stay at home. And maybe mm-hmm. in that particular family unit, 
the woman's more, you know, she's more designed for the workforce. And just to be able to have it and to create a work environment and to create a family environment that works best for that family without having all these like really negative stereotypes around it. Once we get there, it's going to be really incredible. I agree. And that's definitely something that Anne-Marie Slaughter also mentioned. You know, we can't um, belittle men for for taking on that role because it's not an easy role to take on stay-at-home dad. It's really um, not. And to it's e- not. Stay-at-home mom's the same way. I applaud you. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's just as hard to stay at home as it is to go and work. So we really need to take away those stereotypes um, and let men be masculine in this role, which they are. That's a very difficult role to be in, um, being a stay-at-home parent. So, yeah, I, I think it's a... Uh, it's 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 an interesting time. It's going to be cool. We're excited. <laughs> you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, we're going to have an entire different work culture in the U.S. It's going mm-hmm. to be amazing. It is. And overall, it is. it's just going to be better. I agree. So I'd love to shift now and kind of talk about community. Chic CEO really emphasizes community either through their events, their Facebook groups, through their ability to connect with other women in these different roles. When you structured Chic CEO, why did you emphasize community? What was kind of the thought behind that? The 15 women in my living room. That's where it all started. (laughs) You know, it just, they needed each other. They needed me. I needed them. Um, And so it really, that's kind of where it all started. You know, we have people from all over the globe that use Chic CEO. I thought it would just be women in the U.S., it's not. Um, you know, I have we have women in Dubai, Serbia, Canada, Australia, London, um, you know, Bali, Mexico, every from all over the place that you should CEO. Um, all of the information is t- geared towards business in the US, but they still use it. And, um, you know, that's that's been really fun for me to see women from all over the world. You know, I have a client that's in Estonia. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, she's a private client of mine. So it's uh, it's not just here in the U.S. And, and they've they need each other. And so, you know, the support system is is really important when you're starting a business because it's not easy. And um, they they really lean on each other, which is really fun to watch. Man, she CEO isn't just shaking up women in business in the U.S. You're creating this entire global community, which is going to cause global conversations around business. I hope so. <laughs> so next, I really want to talk about partnership because we've talked about this community and this idea of women being in communities together and really leaning in each other for support. But let's take that one step further and see what role partnerships play in either starting Chic CEO or just starting businesses in general. Yeah, I mean, partnerships have definitely been a key factor in the growth of Chic CEO. My business partner and I uh, knew this from the very beginning. We knew that we wanted to partner with with like-minded companies and like-minded people from the beginning um, because we really did and do believe that, you know, rising tide raises all ships. So we never looked at anybody necessarily as competition uh, but we've subscribed to this thought of collaboration. It's what we call it, collaborating Ooh. with your competition. That's an awesome word. We need to yeah. like coin that somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Um, 
So, you know, we have been we've been partnering with with people from the onset of of Chic CEO and it's been it's been great for us and I highly recommend it for anybody that's trying to build a community. That's awesome. So, specifically, can you tell us a little bit about how partnerships have helped spur Chic CEO forward or maybe how some of these partnerships have worked out to as you mentioned, high tide raises all ships. Yeah, so a good Example is uh, Geek Girl, Leslie Fishlock, who you mentioned earlier. She's one of our strategic partners and one of my dear friends. You know, we support each other in everything that we do. Um, So every time she has a a tech con, Chic CEO is one of the major media sponsors, and we we promote her work. And every time we have a launch, she does the same for us. We've been been in partnership with Inc. Magazine. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on, on what we're both trying to get out of it from a goal standpoint. But you know, we're always open to, to any kind of partnership that we, that affords us, um, mutually beneficial. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Um, you know, one thing that we do subscribe to and that we make sure that we, um, always, always put in place when we do a partnership is what we call the win, win, win deal. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it has to, it has to fit three wins. It has to win for Chic CEO it has to win for our Chic CEO community, and it has to win for the other partner um, in whatever capacity that means. So a lot of times people will come to Chic CEO and say, hey, I've got this great product. I'd love to offer it to your community for 50% discount. I just got one of these emails yesterday. I swear I get one every day. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that your audience would love my my new ebook or my new product, and I'm willing to give them a huge discount. You just promote it. Well, that's a win for you, and that's a win for the Chic CEO community. That is not a win for Chic CEO. You know, basically, I would be working for you for free to promote your product, make you sales. Um, And so rarely does somebody come to Chic CEO with a win-win-win deal. And when they do come with a win-win-win deal, you know, nine times out of ten, I say yes. So it's really about making sure that everybody wins in the partnership so that nobody's left out. I think that's really important because so often, and I know I find this personally, you really want to help everyone, but you it's you have to be intentional about making sure that some of your moves are beneficial for you. And I know I come across it a lot with creating pricing structures or just things like that and really valuing what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you're trying to put together partnership deals, make sure it wins for everybody and that it's beneficial for for all parties involved, and then, you know, you'll probably get a yes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to when you first started Chic CEO. You have this incredible desire to help those women that are sitting in your living room. How do you turn this into a business? Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I studied some business models that I thought would – you know, could be, be my avenue. So, you know, I don't know if you remember ladies who launch, they, um, they're defunct now, I believe, but they were kind of the impetus on why I created Chic CEO. Um, you know, my friends and my 15 friends, they, they couldn't find information and there was a lot of things that were out there, but they were all behind a cash curtain. So ladies who launch, you could join, but it was, $300 a year and then $25 a, 
uh, meeting or something, something along that line. And you really weren't sure what you were going to get. You know, what, what kind of information were you going to get? There's all sorts of courses and things out there. And it just didn't seem to feel right because all of this ground level information is somewhere. You know, people are starting businesses every day. So I knew it was somewhere. So <laughs> People have been why- starting businesses for a long time too. Exactly. So, you know, I just couldn't understand it being behind a cash curtain. So that's kind of why I thought, well, I'll I'll just aggregate all of this and put it into one one place for free. So I knew that putting it behind a uh, a cash wall, ha- how you know ladies who launched had done it wasn't going to work for me. So I kind of looked around and I saw the daily candy and daily worth model, um, and I had come from an advertising background and knew okay, well I know media, I know media sales, and that's how we'll do it. We'll grow our list and then we'll. So advertising on the newsletter. So that that kind of went well. Um, but as we're growing organically, your list doesn't get very big very fast. It's a slow grow. Mm-hmm. So even though we're at 90,000 now, you know, it took us five, six years to get there. Um, and when Facebook came out with Facebook ads a few years ago, it kind of tanked everybody that had the business model that I have. Mm-hmm. So um, you kind of have to go back to the drawing board little bit. So we, we now have, you know, we have a membership program and we have, um, some other, you know, we do still do advertising deals, but I think that that was a good lesson in that your business model might have to change if something comes along and disrupts it. But the essence of what you're trying to do should always remain the same, your vision. So helping women, um, has always been our vision and helping them get their entrepreneurial, Dream off the ground has always been our vision. How we make money might have to change. That's so essential. You know, you always keep the main goal, but how you get there might change. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So you touched on some of them, but I'd love to expand on other hurdles that you had to overcome when you were starting your business. Because as everyone knows, there's nothing easy about starting a business, which is what Chic CEO is there to help you to do. But just what were those other hurdles or struggles maybe in the first year? Can you tell us a little bit about that roller coaster? Yeah. Well, you know, some of the hurdles um, always is cash flow. You know, uh, when you're starting out, it's difficult if you don't have an investor or you don't have um, some money already put into the business. You don't have a budget um, to market. That can make it difficult. You know, so that's kind of one of the reasons why Jody and I, my business partner Jody um, and I, were so adamant about partnerships and um, collaboration and any way that we we could get scrappy to to uh, get our name out there. Um, and we actually call it bootstrapping, you know, <laughs> getting scrappy while you're bootstrapping. So, um, you know, that was a hurdle for us, but at the same time, it was a great lesson for us. We were hungry and we, you know, we were out there. We were networking probably three or four nights a week, the two of us for the first two years. We were out out and about getting the name out there. We were reaching out with, you know, trying to get in the media as much as possible. Um, you know, within the first year, we were in Forbes and Wall Street Journal, Amex Open, Fox, just by by hustling. So, I think that not having a budget while it was difficult uh, really forced us to get super creative, which was really fun. Um, 
So, so yeah, I don't know if that really answers your questions. I mean, that was one of our struggles, budget um, and cash flow. And plus, you know, when you start out the first time, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, you just don't. And um, you just kind of wait for for the company to take you where, where it's supposed to go, which is kind of what happened. Now, now, knowing what I know now, you know, I won't make some of those same mistakes again. But I think your first go round, it's just kind of a wide eye, what's going to happen next experience, which is, which is pretty fun. And let's focus on the fact that mistakes are important. Oh, yeah. And failure is important. And we learn from it, even if we're in a society that failure is so taboo. It's really not. It's important. It's a learning step. It's how you're going to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I do my interview series, I always ask, what's your favorite mistake? Ooh. To all of our, our all of our excuse me, um, interviews because it, it really is important. Those things those things matter, and those are probably going to be your most memorable, pivotal points of your business. Well, in that case, Stephanie, what is your favorite mistake? Oh, <laughs> one of my favorite mistakes was Jody and I launched a crowdfunding platform. And with everything else that we had launched, we had done a lot of research. We had done, we talked a lot to our community and we had been really diligent about making sure that we were providing something that they wanted, except for this crowdfunding (laughs) platform. We just knew it was going to work. They're going to love it. They're totally going to love it. And we launched it to crickets and they did not care. They didn't know what it was. They didn't understand what it did. You know, we thought because we're so entrenched in new tech and um, those kinds of things that they would know what crowdfunding was. They didn't. They knew what Kickstarter was, but they just thought Kickstarter was something you put up and then you make millions of dollars. They didn't understand what crowdfunding really was and that they have to bring the crowd and they really have to work at it. And it was a complete disaster complete disaster. Um, Luckily for us, we had partnered with another company that would do a rev share. So we didn't have to put up a lot of money to build it. Um, But it did not work. And that was a a good lesson for us to not uh, assume anything about our community, even if we do think we already know them very well. So (laughs) I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So as you're on this journey, and especially towards the beginning, what was one of those moments that you're like, yes, I'm on the right path. Yes, what I'm doing is worthwhile. Hmm. Um, man, I don't know if I've ever felt like that, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Constantly questioning it. You know, I think some of the, some of the really great press accolades that we've gotten have been um, validation that we're, we're helping and serving, you know, being, being in Forbes and Inc and Fast Company and Cosmopolitan and those kinds of things where they, they seek us out has been really nice. Um, some of the awards that we've won. Um, but I think mostly what really just touches my heart and makes me feel like this is great. And this is what I'm, I set out to do is when I get notes and emails from, from women 
who have been able to really succeed in their dream or get started because of Chic CEO. I think that's probably the most valuable and touching thing for me. I got an email the other day from the wife of one of the guys I went to high school with. And she's in Nebraska, back in Nebraska where I went to high school. And um, she was like, my my husband, Nick, you guys went to high school together and he told me about this and and it's helped me so much. She's she's running a salon. And um, man, the, the the email was like three pages long about how <laughs> how it helped her so much. And it's it's moments like those where everything that we've gone through has is, is been worth it because that's what we set out to do was make sure that someone like her who's in, you know, Elkhorn, Nebraska can start her company. So it was great. Now, I happen to know several of the women who've been in this community through a lot of the mixers that you do. So you must get stories like these fairly often because I've met some of your phenomenal success stories and also from not only Chic CEO, but your personal coaching. And they're powerful testimonies to what you're doing. Oh, yeah, they're pretty great. <laughs> they're pretty great. I love them all. And then they're all doing so many different things, too. You know, I mean, they're all they're all working on different things from, you know, life coaching to um, cannabis to <laughs> new tech, you know, to fitness. I mean, it's it's amazing what they what they're all working on that's so different, but it's still all the same. You know, I have a client whose company was just valued at $2 billion. And then I have a client who's just starting out and they both have the same concerns. They both have the same fears, you know, and they both have the same, um, you know, excitement. And so it really doesn't matter what you're trying to build. We're all kind of going through the same journey, you know? What are some of those fears they had that were similar? Because that is, that's a huge different spread from starting out to, you didn't start a $2 billion company yesterday. Right, right. She did start in September though. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. So, you know, impressive. But it's just, you know, the fraud complex where we all feel like somebody's going to burst through the door and point a finger at you and tell you you're a fraud and somebody's going to, you know, figure you out um, to am I making the right decision to do I sound like a nerd right now? Um, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all the same. Am I doing well enough? Am I not doing well enough? Or will anybody care what I'm doing? Or does anybody, you know, notice it's, it's all the same journeys. It's, it's really about confidence, I guess a lot. What do you tell women when they come to you with those questions and with those self doubts? Oh, that we're all feeling the same thing, all of us, you know, that we all sit in front of our computer and cry sometimes. Every- With our bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every single one of us do it. We all sit in front of our computer and cry sometimes. You know, we all sit in the shower and think, what the hell did I just do? You know, what? what is, what am I doing? You know, I mean, I think we all have some of those those moments, myself included. I think that we all need to talk about it more and we need to understand that it's part of the process and part of the journey and that it's completely normal. It's totally normal. We all do it. And I think that goes back to that idea 
of in today's society, we really hide our failures and we don't bring them to the forefront. We don't showcase the learning and we're just so afraid of failing. So mm-hmm. and the ability to talk about those more, you know, it helps others on different points of their past just by being more vulnerable. Exactly. And, you know, as Brene Brown talks, vulnerability is really bravery. When you're able to really talk about those kinds of things. You're actually being super brave, you know, because a lot of us aren't brave enough to talk about it. So it's so you know. true. Mm-hmm. Well, on that amazing note, would you like to shift to some rapid fire? Sure. Today's rapid fire is brought to you by backcountry.com. Headed on an adventure? Make sure you have the best gear ready to go. Check out positiveimpactpodcast.com slash backcountry for all of our recommendations. So life's a balance of work, passion, and adventure. What was a recent adventure or excursion that you've gone on? Ooh, my husband and I went to Bali early in the year to, so I could learn how to computer code um, with a company called Ruby on the Beach, and we learned Ruby on Rails. So it was our honeymoon slash computer <laughs> camp. Of course, Chic CEO CEO uses her honeymoon to go learn how to code. <laughs> yeah. You found an amazing man. Can I just I, say that? I certainly did. <laughs> what has been your favorite trip to date and why? My favorite trip to date and why? Um, last November, my husband took me to Greece Ooh. to propose. And um, that was that was my very f- most favorite trip I think I've ever been on. It was so fun. And, and it was a short trip, but man, Greece is amazing. We've highlighted that you found an amazing man, right? Right. <laughs> Who sweeps a woman off her feet to go to Greece to propose? <laughs> Him. He's amazing. <laughs> so many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be beneficial in your journey? Yes. Yes. Um, living in San Diego, uh, I don't think that I took advantage of it enough. Um, but last summer, I decided that every day on my lunch break, I would go down to the water and walk in the water for an hour. And so I was doing that. And that really, I, at the first few weeks of it, I felt bad. I felt like I was playing hooky, like the principal was going to find out um, <laughs> that I should be at my computer. But uh, eventually those those went away and I got some really, um, I got some really nice time to myself to think and kind of work some things out and uh, come up with some new creative solutions and new ideas. So it was a, it was a wonderful time for me. Living in Austin, you must really cherish those moments now. I do. Now I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's too hot to go outside. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) So what book have you found instrumental in bringing your mission to life? Um, you know, probably the book that I recommend most and that, um, has helped me most is the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, it's really about putting systems and processes in place and especially for your community, um, who like to travel and get out and be digital nomads. Um, this is a great book to read because if you are going to be out and about, you definitely need to have systems and processes in place. Otherwise you're just, everything's just going to come undone. So, um, a good example is when I was in Bali, I had, uh, I have a podcast and I had, you know, 30 interviews already lined up and in the queue before I even left. So all I had to do was release them weekly as I was gone. So that never got interrupted. So that book is great. 
e-myth re revisited, especially if you're a digital nomad. What advice do you have for recent grads looking for meaningful careers? Oh, I, you know, truthfully, I would say don't get too attached to it. Um, you know, you can find meaning in just about anything that you do or you cannot. It's totally your choice. So I think, um, you know, definitely try to do something that speaks to you, but try not to get too wrapped up in, in that because your career is going to be ever changing and you're not married to your first job. You know, um, your first job is going to teach you a lot. And just if you keep that in mind, then then you'll be good. So what about those who are in their 30s, 40s and beyonds who might be feeling stuck or trapped in their current role? I think if you are feeling that way, then, you know, back to what we we're talking about earlier on in the in the podcast, if people are asking you a question over and over again, you might want to start paying attention because that could be something that could be something. So if you're feeling stuck in your career, start trying to pay attention to the holes or the space in between that you can innovate. And um, if people are asking you a certain question over and over again, that, that could be your way out. What about women stuck in a culture that's not necessarily friendly towards women? Honestly, my, my answer to this every single time is get out. You do not have to fight the good fight. If you're stuck in a company culture that isn't conducive to you, your, your um, loyalty should lie with your own learning, not in fixing someone else's culture. So get out and get into a, a space that is more conducive to you and to your learning because you'll find that once you finally do leave that culture that you have wasted way too much time trying to fight it. Cultures like that are not going to be sustainable. Good talent is going to leave, such as yourself, and it's going to be a moot point anyway. So get out as fast as you can and get into a place that's better for you and your learning now. That point of you don't have to fight the good fight, that just resonates so much. Not your problem. <laughs> not your problem. That's the company's problem. What role has mentorship played in your life? Huge. Huge role. I have um, several mentors, male and female, and um, there's oh man, there's there's nothing else like it. It's it's hugely and and vastly valuable to you creating and sustaining a company. Do you have any recommendations on how people can find mentors? Don't be afraid to ask somebody to be your mentor, even if you feel that they are way out of your league. Just don't be afraid to ask. You might you might be very much surprised. Do you have a mantra or a motto that guides your work with Sheik CEO? I do. I have a favorite motto or favorite saying that is actually posted up in my office daily that I look at every day, and it's by Diane Sawyer. And she says, whatever you want in life, other people are going to want it too. Believe in yourself enough to accept the idea that you have an equal right to it. Powerful. Love it. It's my favorite. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about women and entrepreneurship and this new culture that we're going to have in America. Thanks for having me, Alex. This was super fun. So how do people get in touch with you or Chic CEO? 
You can go to the website, chic-ceo.com. Um, you can email us at hello at chic-ceo.com or find us on social media. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Well, that wraps up another inspiring session with movers, shakers, and changemakers creating a positive impact on the world. Head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash episode two for today's show notes. To get a free audio version of Stephanie's recommended reading, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, check out positiveimpactpodcast.com slash goodreads. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.